Hello everyone and welcome to A Millennial Learns. My name is Abby Rancor. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Um, today we are talking about vitamins. It's a little bit different than my normal podcast episode. So if you're new, welcome. Usually on Mondays, I just choose any topic that suits my fancy. So in that way, it's not really different. I just wanted to learn about vitamins this week. So I researched it and I'm going to present it to you. However, usually on Mondays, I tend to choose a topic that's like history or politics or theology, something, you know, something like that. I haven't done a health one in a little bit, but I have been trying to adopt and get back into some healthier habits like skincare routine, a workout routine. Like we have not been living in our own home or our own place for almost a year now and I've realized like it's really hard for me if I'm not in my own home to like develop and maintain these healthy habits so I've been trying to get back on like a a good diet snack less uh work out a little bit more you know all of that kind of thing and so I got on the topic of vitamins and I started taking like um a multivitamin and I started looking at all the ingredients and I was like is it possible to just get this you know in food that I eat so I don't have to be just relying on supplements like I have nothing I have no qualms really about supplements but I was just get I just got curious about if I could get all those vitamins naturally my diet has not been the best I wouldn't say I eat like a ton of fruits and vegetables right now, so I'm trying to implement that. But the whole point of today's podcast episode was to learn about some of the vitamins that I need. So I chose six that I thought were pretty standard, like you need these vitamins in your diet. Pretty standard vitamins, I chose six of them and I figured out the amount that you need, what they're good for, like why you need them. And then I wanted to figure out one day's diet that would keep me within my calorie budget and fulfill all of the nutrient slash vitamin requirements of all of those vitamins that I chose. So that's what we were doing today. I think I formulated a day's worth of eating that actually fulfills them all. And as you would imagine, it's pretty much just like eating raw foods, like fruits, vegetables, nuts, like like lean meat and stuff like that. So it's pretty intuitive if you, you know, once you look at the menu that I have prepared, but uh, it's a good reminder that I just need to be eating those sorts of things to get all of these important vitamins and minerals in my diet. So that's what we're doing today. Thank you all for joining me and I hope you enjoyed the episode. So like I mentioned, I chose six vitamins and minerals that we need every day. So the six that I chose are calcium, potassium, magnesium, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D. Those are the six. I might, I probably will at some point do a second part of this because I want to track like B vitamins, vitamin E, vitamin K. There's a bunch more that you can track and make sure you're hitting all of those marks as well but it gets really overwhelming if you 
I found if I did more than six at a time. So we're just gonna do the six and then possibly have a part B later. So I'm gonna run through each one, talk about what it does for your body, what happens if you're deficient in that vitamin, and then um, the foods where, uh, the foods that are rich in that nutrient. And then at the end, we'll go over the menu for the day of how to get it all through food. So, all right, so calcium, we'll start with calcium. Now, calcium is an essential mineral and all of these recommendations or benchmarks that I uh, quoted for these are gonna be for women my age. There's some that are gonna be higher, definitely for men or for older people, but for the sake of myself and most of my audience is about my age, I am just quoting um, women my age. So for calcium, women my age need about 1000 milligrams of calcium. Now, what calcium does for you, it's essential for bone and teeth health. It makes your bones strong. Now, if you're deficient in calcium, it can cause preeclampsia, high blood pressure, kidney stones, prostate cancer, muscle cramps, convulsions, poor appetite, and abnormal heart rhythms. So this one is a pretty standard, like the got milk commercials and all these milk products always have like a good source of calcium in them. So naturally you get a lot of calcium from dairy products. So plain yo fat, plain low fat yogurt has about 415 milligrams. Cheddar cheese is a good source of that is 307 milligrams and whole milk is about 276 milligrams. Now fat free whole milk actually has a little bit more calcium than the whole milk because you know, some of that space is taken up with all the fat molecules and things like that. And so there's just kind of less room from what I understand for the calcium. So it's a pretty minimal difference. If you're having a glass of whole milk versus a glass of skim milk, you're gonna have about the same, but it's probably like 30 milligrams off. So calcium is very, very important. So it's important to actually be consuming dairy, which I have really been slacking on other than coffees in the morning. I used to make only pretty much almond milk lattes. I would only drink almond milk and almonds themselves have a decent amount of calcium, about 100 milligrams per quarter of a cup. But when you you know reduce it and process it into this milk and everything, you're really not getting a ton of calcium, not nearly as much as with like actual just milk. So the one swap that I've done unintentionally, just because at the house we are in, there's not a lot of almond milk. And so I have just rediscovered the joys of whole milk because I just love it so much more like it actually makes my coffee and lattes taste so much better so unintentionally i've made this swap and i am getting more calcium but it's very important to be eating dairy products which i feel like we all kind of shy away from or like the health community is like okay no gluten no dairy you know but dairy does have a lot of calcium so if you're not taking a supplement for it it's important to get your dairy in um, and then the other kind of surprising one that has a that's a good source of calcium is salmon in a three ounce fillet. It's about 181 milligrams, so like two thirds the amount of uh, whole milk or skim milk. 
So you'll notice a running trend that salmon is pretty much a superfood through this entire thing. So um, I have definitely, I'm definitely going to make more of an effort to eat more seafood and salmon. I don't love the taste of seafood. Salmon I really like, but I don't tend to eat it a ton. And so that definitely is something I'm going to try to change. Okay, the next mineral or nutrient that I'm going to go over is potassium. So potassium is an essential mineral, which means your body does not create it as well. The same thing with um, with calcium. But so that means you need to get it through like a food source or an outside source. It's also an electrolyte. So you need about 4,700 milligrams a day is one of the estimates. But then another estimate says that women need about 2,600 milligrams. So potassium has a threshold that's like really all over the map. But what I found is if you're trying to get 4,700 milligrams of potassium a day, it's pretty hard. Like I got probably around 2,800 um, milligrams in my sample diet. Getting 4,700 a day seems so, so difficult. So um, about 98% of adults in the U.S. are not meeting the daily intake. No, again, not surprising. I feel like it's almost impossible because they count the daily intake um, requirement as 4,700. So that's it's not really surprising to me that only 2% of adults in the U.S. are meeting that. Um, about 80% of the potassium in your body is found in your skeletal muscle, and then 20% is in your bone, red blood cells, and liver, kind of all combined into one. So most of it's in your skeletal muscle. Potassium plays an integral role in muscle contractions, your heart function, and balancing your fluids. And then it says that adequate levels lead to a lower risk of high blood pressure, kidney stones, and osteoporosis. So... If you don't get enough potassium, and this is where it kind of gets interesting because it's saying that like, yes, 98% of US adults are not meeting the recommended amount. However, not getting enough doesn't necessarily mean that you're deficient. Deficiency is defined by a blood level of potassium of less than 3.6 millimole per liter. That's called hypokalemia. Um, and deficiencies, like actual deficiencies, are usually caused by like chronic diarrhea, vomiting, diuretics, things like that, where you're really just losing so much liquid and so much hydration out of your body. So not getting the recommended amount doesn't necessarily mean you have like a crazy deficiency that's super urgent. So they've categorized deficiencies in three levels. There's mild deficiency, which basically usually doesn't cause symptoms. So you can be well below the recommended amount per day and not have any symptoms. A moderate deficiency causes things like cramping, muscle pain, weakness, and discomfort. So, you know, some people like when I would dance, I would get feet cramps if I, you know, pointed my toe too hard or someone stretched my foot too much or something like that. And a lot of people said that I should be taking potassium or eating a banana or things like that. So that could possibly be considered a moderate deficiency if you're experiencing muscle cramps. A possible cause is a potassium deficiency. And then a severe deficiency causes irregular heartbeats and paralysis. 
Since it's an electrolyte and so crucial to hydration, you really do not want to be severely deficient in this and you want to be making sure you're getting at least some potassium where you're not getting symptoms. So good sources of potassium include banana, sweet potato, avocado, eight ounces of yogurt, spinach, red kidney beans, and wild salmon. So I did not put this in my sample menu because I, at this moment, I didn't think it was really realistic for my everyday life. I wanted to make it somewhat doable for me. But when we get into our new house and we have our, you know, blender like readily available and it's just kind of all there and we can food prep and all these things, I really want to start making like breakfast smoothies again because I used to put like a little bit of almond butter, spinach, bananas, you know, almond milk, stuff like that. And spinach, like one cup of spinach has... 839 milligrams of potassium. So if you're going off of the 2600 um, intake number, you only need about three cups of spinach, which three cups of spinach is kind of a lot. But if you put one of those cups into a smoothie and then you get, you know, you eat a sweet potato or an avocado or things like that, you can definitely get your potassium intake if you're going off that 26 milligram threshold. And it's just so much easier if you're eating spinach because it's just jam-packed full of potassium. So there's a lot of good options for that one, like beans, spinach, salmon, again, superfood, sweet potato, all of those are just amazing for potassium. Okay, then we are on to magnesium. This is also a mineral. Women need about 310 milligrams a day. Men need a little bit more at 400 milligrams and it increases with age. So I just did, again, my age, 310 milligrams a day. What magnesium does, you might have heard of this, like to take magnesium if you have not had like a bowel movement in a while, it kind of keeps you regular. And that is because magnesium plays a role in muscle contractions. It smooths muscles, including the intestines. And again, it helps kind of keep you regular. It also is crucial in helping calcium to absorb. So you could be consuming all the calcium you need, but if you're not consuming magnesium as well, that calcium is not going to absorb. It can't help your bones because it, it can't absorb anything because magnesium plays a crucial role in that absorption. So like calcium, it also helps with heart rhythm, protein production, blood sugar. Um, it helps with blood pressure, bone health, creating energy. And this is an interesting one. It says it makes DNA. So magnesium is very crucial for just your digestive system, as well as your bones and your bone health. Now, if you have a magnesium, magnesium deficiency, you might experience abnormal heart rhythms, coronary spasms, numbness, personality changes, it says, seizures and tingling. Now, a lot of the abnormal heart rhythms and things sound, again, just like calcium because you know, both of those kind of play in to each other. So all of these are very important to your heart health and bone health. Okay, so there are some very good sources of magnesium in your diet. Few of those are almonds, cashews, pumpkin seeds have a ton, and black beans. All those are really good. 
Um, you would maybe need about four all four ounces of almonds to have, you know, your day's worth of magnesium. And then uh, cashews are about the same. Pumpkin seeds are about double the amount as almonds. Like you only need two ounces of pumpkin seeds to fulfill your daily intake. And black beans are a good source, but you'd still need about two and a half cups. So it's probably better to just like mix it up with some nuts as well, since those are a very good source. Okay, let's talk about vitamin A. All right, so I didn't actually really know much about vitamin A. Um, you know, you kind of hear about like vitamin C, that's kind of what you take before, like when you get a cold, or, you know, there's some vitamins that I feel like I just know a lot more about. Vitamin A has kind of been always a mystery to me, to be honest. So this was interesting to learn about. You need about 700 to 900 micrograms, I believe this is, of vitamin A. It's an essential micronutrient, which means, again, you need to get it from food and you cannot produce it yourself. Benefits. So the benefits of vitamin A is it helps to maintain the health of your retinas. This is very important for your eyes. Vitamin A is very, very, very important to your eyes. It prevents age-related macular degeneration. It also helps boost your immune system, prevents birth defects and infertility, and it's honestly like not that hard to get enough vitamin A. Like when I was doing my um, my sample diet, I got almost not too much, but I definitely was well within. You know, I was easily getting. Uh, some vitamin A. So you don't need a ton. Now, if you're deficient in vitamin A, it can lead to things like dry skin, dry eyes, infertility, infections in your throat and in your chest. So again, big immune system. I read this whole thing that says you shouldn't say that it's boosting your immune system because it's really just helping your immune system like defend itself. But anyway, I'm just going to say it. it boosts your immune system. You need it. So there are a few foods that are very high in vitamin A. So sweet potatoes are, I mean, out of this world, like it's almost double. It is about double of your daily intake. If you eat the skins, still good without the skins, but with the skins, you get tons and tons and tons of vitamin A. Spinach, again, very good that you get, um, let's see, it's almost your entire intake of vitamin A in a half a cup of spinach. So again, if you're putting it in a smoothie and you do a full cup, you're getting well above your vitamin A needs. Dairy products, now it's a, it's a range, they put a range of 100 to 300 uh, micrograms, which is about up to half of your daily intake. But the interesting part is a lot of these whole milks and dairy products are actually now fortified with both vitamin A and vitamin D. So it's hard to put just a blanket number on like milk, let's say, or yogurt or anything like that because, well, I'll get to this later, but vitamin D is not super common in dairy products necessarily, but sometimes and oftentimes uh, these products are fortified and added um, extra vitamins are added. So that's important to look at the labels. Like if you're choosing a milk with not, you know, no vitamin A versus fortified with vitamin A, it's probably better to go with the one with vitamin A in it. And then carrots, like a half a cup of carrots also get you well over half of your vitamin 
a intake for that whole day. So lots of good ways you can get vitamin A in your diet. All right, vitamin C. So vitamin C, you don't honestly need that much vitamin C either. This one is extremely easy to get. I found this one to be the easiest and it's like the most enjoyable foods for me <laughs> um, also because it's a lot of fruit. So you only need 75 milligrams for women. Again, this vitamin helps the immune system. So you might've heard of like emergencies, which is that product that you take um, if you feel a cold coming on because it can help reduce the durations of colds. It helps your immune system fight off these infections and things like that. So it's always good to meet your vitamin C requirement. It's very, very helpful for your uh, long-term health and getting just less colds. It helps increase progesterone, which is also helpful for fertility. Now, if you get a deficiency, that is what scurvy is. If you've heard of scurvy, uh, pirates and sailors made this disease famous, but anyone can get it by not eating any vitamin C. Um, when they were out to sea and there like, was fruit that ran out, uh, from four to 12 weeks after there's no intake of vitamin C, you can come down with scurvy, which basically has been described as gums being detached from teeth, blood running from the nostrils, ulcerations on the legs, your skin is thin, like you do not want scurvy. Um, but this would be most common with sailors or people who are away from land for a very long time because um, if you know if you run out of fruit or vitamin C sources, uh, it's just a matter of time until you get that. So good sources of vitamin C are orange juice, strawberries, broccoli, and kiwi. Now, if you're a woman and you need 75 milligrams, all, all of those but broccoli uh, will give you your daily need of vitamin C. So one kiwi fruit, um, actually, I misread my own math. Um, kiwi is close. So if you have one kiwi, you're 60 out of 75 milligrams uh, to your daily intake. Strawberries have way over like one cup of strawberries is almost 100 milligrams and orange juice is 120 milligrams. So you just wanna eat like a serving or a serving and a half of fruit a day. And you should be totally good on your vitamin C intake. All right, vitamin D is also an important one for calcium consumption, uh, calcium absorption. So you need 600 IUs a day, which is this unit that they label international units. All of these units can be labeled in international units, but vitamin D is a little bit harder to measure and there's varying levels of recommendations just because your body can actually produce vitamin D from the sun. So you don't actually need to get it all from food. These other ones are called essential minerals or essential vitamins because you have to get them from food or some other source. You can't make them, you know, your body can't actually create them on its own. And that is not the case for vitamin D. Your body does create vitamin D if you're getting hit with direct sunlight. So in that way, it's hard to like put together a diet that gets all your vitamin D because you can go out and get it from the sun. Um, so it helps absorb calcium. A lot of these do. You need a balance of all these vitamins to help get the calcium to your bones. If you're deficient in them, it causes a loss of bone density. So 
I don't know if I recapped this on the podcast, but I'll just do it again if I have. So I was reading this book called Call the Midwife, and it is now also a TV show, and they're on, like, I think they're releasing season 10, so it's it's just very, it's a long-running TV show now. But it's about these midwives in the poor east end of London back in, I think, the 1950s. And it's this order of nuns that are midwives, and they go around and help all these people who are poverty-stricken, and they're the midwives of this area. Kind of right as midwifery is, like, becoming an actual practice. So, in part of that book, when I was reading the book, it talks about this woman who was pregnant and had rickets. And I thought, honestly, I thought that rickets were like a skin, it sounds to me like a skin disease or something. But what rickets is, is when your bones are soft and they bend. So your skeletal, like your skeleton basically, is kind of malformed. And when you step, the body weight, you know, the weight of your body will kind of bend your bones and your bones have never just like solidified really. And you're kind of a little bit deformed. So it talked about this woman who had rickets ever since she was a kid because it's caused in childhood and I'll go into how, but it's caused in childhood. And once you kind of have it, it doesn't really get too much better because your bones are already formed in this malformed way. And so she got, had gotten pregnant four times and they didn't really do C-sections back then. Like they said that women with rickets would, you know, if they made it through, like a lot of them died, but if a woman made it through 10 days of labor, I think it was, they would then call the doctor and try to get a C-section because C-sections were just super dangerous and they didn't really do them. But when this book started taking place and this uh, woman became a, a midwife, they were starting to become more popular. So she was pregnant with her fourth or fifth child and she had rickets and they finally said like, okay, we have the science and we are ready and we can now give you a C-section because her pelvis was so deformed that you know she could get pregnant and carry a baby to term but she couldn't actually pass the baby through her pelvic bones so c-sections for people with rickets were like very very important or else they or their baby would die and all four of her babies with no c-sections died because they couldn't get out of her body essentially in time so that is caused from a lack of vitamin d and it's mostly it was mostly um uh attributed or mostly what's the word it was mostly found in very poverty stricken areas because kids had to work they stayed inside all the time there was lack of food sources like if you're eating um food sources that are high in vitamin d then this will not be a problem but this happens when there's really like no vitamin d uh, in your food, you're not getting outside in the sun, and your bones never get formed well because of the lack of this vitamin. So, um, a lot of what this is found in vitamin D is like seafood. So, cod liver oil, salmon, and tuna, any like fatty fish contains a ton of vitamin D. So, a couple interesting facts from this uh, light skinned people get more vitamin D from the sun. 
uh, because it absorbs more in their skin. So uh, like very, very light skinned people will usually have less of a chance of being deficient. Um, it says in the winter, it's virtually impossible to produce vitamin D from the sun if you live 37 degrees above the equator or north of Atlanta because the sun never gets high enough in the sky for its ultraviolet B rays to penetrate the atmosphere. Um, but summer is a great time to stock up on the nutrient. When the sun's UVB rays hit the skin, a reaction takes place that enables the skin cells to manufacture vitamin D. This says that the rule of thumb is that if your shadow is longer than your body height, you can't make any vitamin D because uh, the sun is just not strong enough. It's not at the right angle. So they said between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. is the usual window for significant sun exposure. Okay, then this is an interesting thing. This guy says you cannot get an adequate amount of vitamin D from your diet, even with fortified foods. That's what this man says. Again, the recommendations are kind of all over the place. Some people say it's super high. Some people say it's 600 uh, IUs. But one doctor at least says that you cannot get enough. So he always recommends vitamin D supplements for adults and children. Now, other nutrition experts believe it is possible to get enough vitamin D just by eating the right foods, and you might want to combine it with supplements if you need. So again, fish like wild-caught salmon, mackerel, tuna, sardines, beef liver, eggs, cod liver oil, and mushrooms are very good vitamin D sources, as well as fortified milk can help you reach your vitamin D <clears throat> intake. So a lot of people who don't want to take like just straight supplements will have just like a teaspoon or a teaspoon and a half teaspoon and a third of cod liver oil in the morning in order to get all of their vitamin d intake one teaspoon of cod liver oil gives you 450 international units which is three quarters of your daily intake um, salmon is also really really good a half a fillet is also like four ounces i believe half a fillet is kind of a vague term but i did some number crunching from what they were um saying and basically i uh, realized or i calculated that four ounces will give you like well above your vitamin d intake so maybe that guy has a point like if you're not eating salmon every day you can't get your vitamin d intake or maybe he's thinking that the recommendation is way too low and you need a lot more so it's kind of up to you if you want to take like actual supplements or um just eat a lot of seafood so that's probably the one that's uh the most likely that you need supplements okay let's go over how um like what a daily meal or daily menu would look like getting all these nutrients and staying under i wanted to say under 1800 calories um that's like a, obviously a loose number if you're working out a ton you will want more you know depending on what your caloric needs are you can add or subtract to this as you wish but i did put together a sample menu that actually sounds pretty good to me that meets the calories and meets pretty much let me make sure it meets all of them yeah and it meets all of our um daily nutrient 
counts. So let's go through this. So the, for breakfast, I broke this up into, you know, some different meals here. You can break them up in different ways. But what I did is I said, okay, let's say for breakfast, I want to have avocado toast and a coffee. So a coffee will have a half a cup of whole milk, a piece of toast, a half an avocado, and one egg on top. That's actually what I had this morning, and it's very delicious. So that's breakfast. Then for lunch, I said a three-ounce filet of salmon, half a cup of rice. So you put my ideas, put the salmon on the rice, a little bit of mayo, and the other half of your avocado. Now, this was pretty much a viral TikTok thing with the salmon bowl. It's a little bit modified. I'm not sure if they put avocado in it in the viral TikTok, but it was actually really good. And that could be a lunch that I would have most days. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. A lot of people take a sheet of seaweed and put that mixture kind of in the seaweed and make it almost like a little sushi hand roll. So all of that is a very reasonable amount. It's like two tablespoons of mayo, um, yeah, and half an avocado. So very easy, but seems filling. Then for a snack, I did a cup of non-fat yogurt with a tablespoon of honey on it, just because non-fat yogurt, like unsweetened, is kind of not my favorite tasting thing. So I put uh, one tablespoon of honey, a cup of strawberries, you can put some on top and eat some on the side, and then like a slice and a half of cheese, an ounce and a half of cheese, that is the snack so you're definitely not going to be hungry and then my most unrealistic meal although i have had this as a meal before but for a dinner this just usually wouldn't happen i put half of a medium sweet potato six ounces of a chicken breast and an eighth of a cup of cashews and then i just said like any vegetable you want um, i didn't put the vegetable on here because you can just have a vegetable as a side and by this point in the menu, I had already met all of my um, uh, vitamin intake numbers. So I didn't uh, care to add that. So let's go over the numbers of that. That seems like a pretty reasonable day, if you ask me. You can throw in a little other snacks or anything. But that is, um, let's see, that is 1,650 calories. So again, a lot of room, actually, if you... If you are working out a ton, you need to eat a ton more than that. You can add other foods and know that you've already hit your um, vitamin intake. So the only one in that that I didn't hit was vitamin D again. And I didn't, I wasn't a stickler on that one because you can go out in the sun if it's in the summer. And if not, you can just add one more ounce of salmon on there and you hit your uh, 600 IUs of vitamin D. So that one's a little variable. Vitamin C, you are getting 118 milligrams when the recommendation is 75. Vitamin A, you're getting 890 micro, uh, micrograms, I think. And the recommendation is 700, so you're getting more than enough of that. Magnesium, you're getting just about spot on magnesium, 313 milligrams, and the recommendation is 310. For potassium, it's about 3870, and the recommendation is 3600 milligrams. So again, more than enough. And then calcium, 
you're eating 1,080 milligrams and you need 1,000. So for all of them, it's a well-rounded day where you're eating three meals and a snack and possibly more snacks if you want to add more calories into there. And you're hitting all of your vitamin intake with a caveat on vitamin D, go out in the sun or add one more ounce of salmon. So <laughs> like that seems very, very doable. And I'm actually kind of shocked about how doable it is. I shouldn't be that shocked because these, all of this just tells me that I should just be eating cleaner and not having processed foods. Like even if you have rice or grains or toast, it's like, okay, you can have a slice of toast and you can have a half a cup of rice. Like that is all fine. You can eat dairy. And in fact, I should be eating more dairy, but you have to balance it with not eating like sweets and processed foods and things like that, which I am currently not that great at. So this is my new kind of mission. I really want to actually try this out for like a week and see if I can just eat this for a week, possibly minus the dinner uh, because it's just not realistic to eat sweet potatoes, chicken, and cashews when I'm at like someone else's house for dinner and things like that. So, but I want to try this um, breakfast, lunch, and then possibly a toned down snack if my dinner ends up being more calories. So I stay within the calorie margin, but I want to try to eat this. And when I move into the new house and I can food prep all my food, I want to eat something like this for the whole week where I'm eating all my vitamins or I'm getting them all in some sort of way and see how I feel because it doesn't actually seem that hard. It's like, just eat, eat clean. So again, not that surprising, but I am a little surprised at how manageable eating like this seems when you just lay it out on the spreadsheet. So um, I'm, I will probably post this meal plan with all the numbers so you can see if you are interested in that. Um, and then, yeah, I hope you learned a lot about vitamins. Again, I'll probably be doing a part B just because there's a lot more vitamins I want to learn about and track and all this stuff. I'm getting really interested into kind of like the sciencey part behind health. So that is all for today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you all have a good time uh, trying to get all your vitamins into your daily routine. I will talk to you on Thursday for the next podcast episode. Bye everyone.